You know, I can't talk about water without talking about the fact that I'm born in water. And I remember it. I remember the excitement of being born in the water, the gushing sounds, the kept playing loud, sloshing sounds in my hot, hot, hot July mind right after the war that was finished in the other war. The water air was water air. I gulped the air to quench my thirst and spit constantly. I preferred to be in the water arms of the river journey that pulled and stretched my soul out to sea and made me not be there where I was. I was born on my river, my lover and my mother, like all women, was dammed up stream, stopped, of course, for one reason or another. I am part of the river taking care of people for eons of time, and I know the river is good to me, as with all life on earth. She allowed shallows of stone to gather, to navigate Indians and our other families of hers, to travel lovingly in her long veins of life-giving flots and jetsam. She, water river, ran with the ice boulders in spring, cold as any glacier, blue as any carnival slushy. Yeah, I was ready to come out of that cramped, tight Emmeline's belly. I gotta break free. It's too cramped in here, and I smushed. I can't move. I gotta, I'm hypered up, and something has to happen, and I started prancing and spinning and moving, and okay, I gotta kick my way out of here, and I'm bloody gurgling gulp. Nobody did anything. I took a big breath. I held it a long time. I kicked, kicked, kicked. I escaped. I flopped out. I was born. Mom didn't make a sound doped up on her spinal tap, just as I am gushed out and flopped on the cold steel meat market delivery table, just like the caught, hooked, flopping fish on the dock, struggling for breath and wondering, what in the fuck are human beings really for? And then, of course, about water, there's my boat people blood. In utero, my Greek father had dropped my Irish mother off to live with his parents, who by then were prosperous Greek restaurant owners. Come over by boat to America. Imagine and think and all their hopes and dreams had come true. All their children would be real American-born. They would be Greeks in America. I was born with my father absent in the Navy and my mother howling to get to the hospital to deliver me. This is the story my elder sister told me because she was there. I'm her second child. My mother had already been married and left an older child with this. She lived with another set of grandparents. She was having a nice life and a nice house in a capital city, not in, in a southern state, not far from here. And they grew tobacco, don't they? And there's black people, ain't they? And they shoot horses, don't they? The radio crooned. 
searching to hear something about this place called Earth, but nothing makes any sense. Nothing means anything singly, and yet relation is hardly understood. Having children was hard for Emmeline. She went without because she married low. This second marriage was an awful marriage for Emmeline, and according to her, this bastard was worse than the first bastard. Poor mom, and then I was causing her pain by being born. I'm so bad. My sister said she was screaming, hurry up, you dirty old filthy Greek bastard. And I heard my mother cry out in the back seat of the old 1948 Black Dodge as it horse galloped down the rutted road soon then to become a real paved highway. She was a screaming, moaning, flailing, fidgety, mad as hell, out of control, pregnant, abandoned woman. It wasn't until I saw Blanche and the back seat of the old Rumbly and Bonnie and Clyde bouncing around in the hayfield screaming that I featured what Mom had to bear when Grandpa meandered her howling pregnant self to the hospital. I swear nobody did a Blanche like that, except maybe my mom could do it a step up with more swearing. Hell no, I figure that's why I'm so meandering in my ways. My grandpa taught me that taking the long way made mom howl louder and louder. I found the best thing I could do was to pass out, to go with it, to shut down and not participate as much as possible in my physical birth. I often wish I had forgotten to turn myself back on again. My grandpa used the opportunity of my birth that summer for a country drive to show off his new car to all his lesser immigrant friends from Greece, the Ukraine, Hungary, and Poland. He was having his first grandchild and a spanking brand new Dodge. Bragging upwards is hard to do. They never give compliments, do they, Mom? So why should we return them? Right, Mom? Right? No, dear, these Orthodox hate us low-life Irish Catholics. Mom's stomach always choked to me. Such loud growling. I was thinking that since I was the first new baby around grandchild, I should be marked with some some sort of all privilege in its status. But I later learned from my cousin, who said, I hate you because you're going to inherit everything, even the horses. Well, I guess that's why I came first. I guess I came to get the horses. You know, I can still see my cousin's Doberman Pinscher's mouth almost around my full baby bull head as the boy cousins sick their that, that dog Duchess on me. Duchess was the blackest German Shepherd, not German Shepherd, Doberman Pinscher. She was snarling, mad when somebody grabbed her collar and yanked her off. She was goddamn snarling mad, I'll tell ya. But my poor mom, she was howling from the back seat alone while the men laughed and drank lemonade in the shade on the 
rockers of, of the porch. She hoped someone like Celie in the color purple had spit into the cool summer drink. Mom howled and cursed alone. Eventually, they arrived at the hospital and I was born. That meant nothing to my spirit. Now I was so tired that that drug she took really tasted shitty. And oh God, it seems the dim switch is on earth and no one has yet flipped the fucking switch. Everything is sterile white, yet without light. Dead. The spinal tap got to have my birth experience. Not mom and not me. She said she knew nothing, nothing about my birth. Nothing. She was knocked out and doesn't know what happened. I was switched, perhaps. No, I look too Greek. She didn't have a story about my birth because she didn't participate. That's zero. Oh, I says. After a few days, she took me home to lay in a bassinet on the Great Lakes seaside. Ah, in the water again. Speaking of water, I gotta have my glass. It was placed in the bassinet high up on a jagged rock formation, and I heard the castle winds blowing all the way from the Baltic Sea. I heard the wind whine and howl like it had in my ancestors' ears of late. My maiden self with long curly hair, oh, where is my giant bird to fly me away? So many women, women had stood as I have stood and wondered why the wind doesn't come to carry me away. I came to be one of the longing return to the sea. The wind rustled and tossed everything, making a wind salad, I guess. She saw shades of green veins, leathery edges all the time, turning ears to the waves lapping the shore's lips. Here is where the spirit world entered my soul at the shoreline, open, ready to retrieve and receive life and death vision knowledge and courage as those waves calmed and excited my soul. Pleasures of the deities, I came to say. These are my relatives. They speak in caressing sounds that smooth. Their whoosh and their wash are my lively, true, and only friends. They gurgle the emotions of life and deposit a longing that I understood and mourned for. Deep, deep, I don't really know, but I felt an aching longing with deep, deep, and never exactly describable, giving it all up to having Indian mind. But I didn't know that then, either. Ah, yes. In the Australian film, The Whale Rider, Whale as the Ocean Herself. I am present and unaware of listening to nature for hours on end, but where I am first laid down in my bassinet is not where I'm going to live.
Eventually I came to live in a big house very closer, much closer to our restaurant. We lived in a spacious large house where I was lonelier than ever. I longed for the confines of my bassinet. But now that I'm a little older, my eyes got their big views of the fresh black forest water lake of the massive great blue-black lake in front of me, usually angry with foaming lips. She was just across the path, just down the slope, over some round blue stones, glacier rubbed and polished, to the line where form changed, the expanse of deep black water of the great giant lake that shouts, No, quit thinking about it, you asshole. You can't see the other side. Just quit squinting and just relax and see the curve on the horizon. (laughs) Giant puffy clouds own the sky most of the time. They're always hanging there. waiting to spill their guts and rain like hell on the earth below. And lightning, too. She makes herself known on that shoreline. Fierce yellow dog. Now she's no small force. Lightning, all powerful when she wants to be strong, fierce, and loud. Crack! Huge, massive oaks. Barns full of animals have been fried, crispy, like by her striking force. The stench of roasted cow beef, carcasses, hangs in the towns for days. The firemen can't get close enough without puking their guts out. Lightning strikes the house I'm in. That was the very night, that storm, when the exorcist had viewed in town. Everyone had gone in to see the movie, and it was terrifying. And that night, the worst storm came, and actually, truly hit the house I was in. My roommate pulled me out with the smell of smoke. Together, glued our bodies as one, she dragged me out as we saw the melted light switches on the walls and the blown-out stereos and TVs. The house had gone on fire. But we got out, but everyone had to have complete <laughs> therapy was a big deal after that storm, the exorcist playing in town. And a lot of people had trouble with the sound of the toilet flushing.
Yeah, I don't want to be inside. I just want to go in the water. You know, where I'm from, ships were cared for like royal families. The immigrants left, swabbed, crooned, fixed, drank for and over in love for their swift power of making money. Ships mean trade, men with jobs, food, stories from abroad, news given in eloquent storytelling, theater imbibed with liquor at the saloons and mighty raucous whorehouses. These were the eloquent voices of the storekeepers, the whorehouses, the butchers, butchers, the rancher men and women from all the port cities and the freshwater lakes of America in the early 1900s. A water highway connecting and moving the trail left, always left against the grain, into the wind, upstream in every fucking waterfall, up the sharpest impassable mountains. I could always hear their boots coming in my head, trampling and expanding at all costs. The loud roar and black, of mutilation in all forms, digging, blasting, changing, chopping, cutting, hacking, slashing of the men's march west into the sun was disgusting and happened faster than anyone could do something. Ships saw all that and carried the biggest rats of all to all corners of the earth. The rats with the most pus, the most disease, the ones likely to attack, even use nuclear. I hope that Putin removes them from the border. For many sailors, ships the ship was the center of their energy axis. It was the way they processed a proper amount of drunken fear and the awe for man and nature. It was the way they wiggled their legs to find some balance. And some expanders did not see progress, you know, as a plus situations. There were risks and drawbacks to being a trailblazer. Loneliness, unbearable loneliness, foremost, you end up, right, dancing with the wolves. That's my native, bare-naked, native Indian soul, always looking for safe, plausible solutions for needing to follow the climate. But that was only after an eagle eye's view from above, of course. We always knew where the water was. And the Indians knew the complex pattern weave of the whole darn ball of wax just spinning there in the universe with depth, prayer, and respect. They had lived peacefully thousands and thousands of years. Take time to make decisions and run away deep inside. 
practice saying you take yourself away from your gluttonous, supersized, white, European, Nord, Attila, the Mongol, Germanic, Romanic, Italian warlords, but we natives come back in the dreams of young who want to have those babies to love and to play and to teach and to grow food and to live in harmony with what the golden wheat and to wave at all the birds that fly by. They are carrying those seeds in their little beaks and they're dropping us, spreading food, having sex right there in the sky, Indian mind. What's good for seven generations out the long Mayan cycle, 26,000 years of time. Not thinking in a pea brain, anxiety driven brain, intent only on right now. And then she says, Stop that slapping and hitting. We are above all that since we shed our hair. Wise, great, 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 grandfather said. You act as if you had long hair and some kind of lice or itching virus. St. Vitus dance that possessed you. Is that true? Can you hold still? Stop shaking. Focus your eyeballs. Forever this and more, she beckoned in my ear. The watery elements I pass every single day and shouted out the watery truth. Hey, my beautiful water beauty. When you get there, kiss the sky for me, as Jimi Hendrix told us. Excuse me while I kiss the sky. (laughs) Oh, the deaf in the winds. Howled, Mary. Walking at 3 a.m. in the northern lights, getting mistaken for great LSD flashbacks. Yippee. And oh, the Jefferson Airplane and Grateful Dead for seeing the color, showing us the American northern aurora. It was so simple then. Food color, pan of water, overhead projector under a white sheet. Now ain't science great? <laughs> As if it isn't enough, I have to ask myself if I'm getting it clear. Water is in me so bad, but I have to be on the land and I have to commune with the land, but I have to sit at her edge and be in her lap and talk to her for hours and hours. And she always wanted to know 
if I'd found out about the nugget, the pearl, the kerygma of things. I muddled through searching for the light in that landmass of those polluting human waste machines. I firmly stood my ground on this and demanding my answer. To my direction. Don't you know then the trees chimed in with agreement as they shake their leaves clappingly proclaiming you, you, you. We are trees all around. You have feet on the ground and we can't walk. But just keep going out and seeing our trees and coming back to these water-lipped mouths and pour your heart out, okay? We'll hear ya. And we, tell us all the human stories that you want to you wanna tell us. We'll listen. But put your foot down on new ground until you die. That's your job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell what you see. Yeah, that's what the trees were saying. Clapping their leaves. I meant to stay on the edge where form changes. I never did really come into form fully, I don't think. I struggle on how to fill this tall sail order from the real northern freshwater Great Lakes. I agree only to do writing as I speak, and this is so. But I do know, if I don't write, the silence is nothing. Now that I'm old, I see water as the only thing I can grab onto. I know life is when things commingle. All manners of exchange take place instantly, and we're still witnessing the ripple effect of all joining, still expanding from our seashells. We traded on ships everything from dirt under our fingernails to semen on our sheets. The towns and villages where humans lived all depended on these mighty ships stopping over and staying a while. Starving children who ran sheets in the streets, wild, shining shoes were common as fish in the lake. Street urchins for the taking and the having. By the 1960s, it seemed to me, these giant waterways are destined to go by the wayside to the useless, uselessness pile at the dump, and that is the pile right next to the downright ridiculous pile of uselessness crap invented without any thought of how to get rid of it after its short life. So... It became historic that another travel mode was going to take over and the free lane of water riches was to be abandoned. The real battle was over water itself, but not shipping, because water and wind could not be owned 
and harnessed by just one of those rich, white, industrious, coal barren men. Was that, was that Edison on the de- deal with J. Poor Morgan at Niagara Falls, trying to buy the falls up there in New York, up there where New York and Canada get coal together? Was that him? Was that them ignoring Tesla, who at the same time had real moral ideas about electricity? And one was the deep desire to get all energy from the earth, not by digging and slashing her to bits. That's why they didn't really like Tesla. No holes in the earth, no digging. And those two men asked... Why, how can I own this water? They asked an Indian who told them straight to their face. Why, how can you own the land beneath her? No, they can't, and they didn't care. From then on, it went into one of those non-conversations I was talking about earlier, where the turd in the toilet circles and never flushes. All the while, nonsense circling was going on. Somebody said it all had to stop and stop and stop. And so, so and so went out. Now listen up. We're going to transfer power to all the tractor trailer trucks with big wheels. We're abandoning the trains and ships for good just because we can. The fat man said, just because those big fat cats need more money, rendering the towns on the seaways and cities to become harborless boatless and laughterless trucks rather than trains and boats highways 1950s the ike united all the states with connecting the state roads shift gears without looking just like cats knocking down everything off the flat surface of the earth bureau top A veil then hung over the water-spurred land, making everyone sad and desperate. How would they earn money now to buy their habituated drug, alcohol? Everybody grew skinny. Panic set in, and eyes grew squinty and sharp. Cats meowed constantly, and the dogs hunted the food we would have eaten. Whatever the town council does, don't fire the dog warden, the people moaned and growled. Again, everyone competed for scraps. By the time I was born in 1948, the mighty Winter Sea protested the news of this less ship jobs with violent and horrific storms, getting more violent every year and taking more lives and swabbing more decks than usual. She also let in her frozen sister, the bitch ice queen, Goddess Cold. She violently protested her lack of use, trying to get attention, but still protesting to this day. As the freshwater waves lashed out, protesting the new, nonsensical reality, something called trains and trucks seemed to be moving faster, transporting goods faster and faster and faster than the beautiful, hulking ships. The ships were being ditched. Oh, the rejection of our mother waterway, our birthright. Once the water got the full gist of this, the winter gaze howled. I'll sink more 
halls in the depths of the black, fresh lake. I'll bring them back to me, she said. Because, really, the water wanted and loved the ship sailing around. The water felt massaged by the ship's hulls floating over her. The water lapped at the ships and helped carry them along on their currents of flowing energy. I am their soul sunk at sea. I'm going to end this segment here and I'm going to record a second segment. Please stay tuned. Thank you for listening.